for turning on the Bar Review Podcast. My name is Jake, and this is a show where I get drunk and I tell you about the law. Today I am drinking a Blue Moon Winter Wheat. Now the topic for today is the 14th Amendment, and this might sound familiar because our Mad King decided he wanted to repeal part of the 14th Amendment by executive order, which even third graders know that's not how the Constitution and amendments work. Because as we know by Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution, it needs to be approved by a two-thirds majority in both the House and Senate, and then ratified by the states. You can't do it by executive order. So the 14th Amendment, it's called the Privileges or Immunities Clause. Not to be confused with the Privileges and Immunities Clause, I'm not even joking. And you'll find this in the Constitution right after the 13th Amendment. Section 1 of this amendment gives us the big parts of this thing. And it says that all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law that shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. And you're sitting there thinking, Jesus, that was so many words in a paragraph. Well, let me break it down for you. There's four big parts to this amendment. First, the national citizenship. Then the privileges or immunities. Then the due process of law. And then the equal protection. And we'll break each one of those down. First, you have the national citizenship, meaning all persons born within the U.S. are citizens. It's pretty straightforward, right? Right, Donald? And then you have the privileges or immunities. What the fuck does that mean? It means that no state shall enforce or make any law that shall abridge any of these privileges or immunities that citizens of the United States enjoy. Think fundamental rights. There's no definitive list here that, you know, the Congress has just in the back of their pocket of things that they can take away. There's certain fundamental rights that speak to the core of what it means to be American and that the state or national government can't abridge. Now get ready for the fire swamp, because this is where we're getting into due process. This is the third part to this amendment. No state shall deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And you think that's going to be easy, but then they throw something at you. They're like, there's two types of due process. And you're like, what the fuck, man? This is supposed to be easy. And then you think there's procedural due process, and that means that it's the procedure that the governments must provide before depriving a person of life, liberty, or property. And then there's substantive due process, which it's the substantive limitations on the federal and state laws arising from both the 5th and 14th Amendment due process clauses with respect to those fundamental rights that we talked about with those privileges and immunities. And so the basic question that speaks to due process is you have to ask if the government's interference is justified by a sufficient purpose. And we got to go back into what those fundamental rights are under the Constitution. And cases say that it's rights that are deemed foundational in our country's history and traditions. And I'm going to give you a brief rundown of a lot of the big cases that kind of touch on these fundamental rights because like I said there's no definitive list so we just have these cases to kind of cite back to to kind of figure our way through this this swampy area that is fundamental American right 
rights. We're gonna go into family rights. So this is like the right to marry, given to us by Loving v. Virginia, which only passed 51 years ago that said bans on interracial marriages are unconstitutional. And that was extended to Obergefell v. Hodges, which made gay marriage okay. Cause shockingly, if gay people wanna get married, it's just called marriage, and marriage is good. Then you have Mayor v. Nebraska, which is the right to raise your kid and rear them the way you want. Then you have the right to privacy, which is given to us by Griswold v. Connecticut, and that was with regards to family planning, and that you have a right to privacy to plan out how your family, you know, wants to come into being without governmental interference. Then Eisenstadt v. Baird came in a few years later, which said that that right to privacy, that extends to unmarried people too. And then you have Roe v. Wade and Casey v. Planned Parenthood, which ex extended that right to plan your family and that right to privacy to the right to an abortion. And we're not getting into that now, we'll have future episodes on Roe v. Wade, and you guys can argue in the comment section all day. And the final case that comes under the rights of privacy is Lawrence v. Texas, which Texas had made sodomy illegal and it discriminated and violated the 14th Amendment right to privacy against homosexual men. And so that speaks to both substantive and procedural due process. The final big part of the 14th Amendment is the equal protection. And this amendment says that it can't deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. And this deals with government classifications and whether or not those classifications are justified by a sufficient purpose. So when the government wants to treat different groups differently, they need different levels of justification. You have strict scrutiny, which is the highest bar, the empire strikes back of scrutiny. So you have race, national origin, religion, this all falls under strict scrutiny. So anything that, that seeks to discriminate based on any of those, it needs to have one, the government classification must be necessary to achieve a compelling governmental interest, and two, the means must be narrowly tailored to achieve that end. You gotta think about like things like Brown v. Board of Education. This country has not had a historically good record when it comes to race. Jim Crow Jesus is still alive and well in the South. Then you have intermediate scrutiny. This is the Godfather Part 2 of scrutinies. Sure, it's great, but it's not the top dog that Godfather Part 1 was. And so gender classifications fall under intermediate scrutiny. The government needs to have an important governmental interest and the means be substantially related to that end. Think about United States v. Virginia. This is a case where there was a military college in Virginia and they didn't. They wanted to have a separate college for women and it discriminated their main campus based on gender. Well, Justice Ginsburg came in and kicked some fucking ass and said that was fucking bullshit. The third one is rational basis. This is the orange is the new black of scrutinies. It's okay. You know it can do better, but you'll watch it if it happens to be on. And so everything else kind of fits in here. This is age, disabilities, wealth, politics, sexual orientation. Governmental needs here are that it needs a legitimate state interest and achieved through rational means. This is a pretty low standard, and it's asking if the government had any rational basis to base their discrimination on. And you can invalidate these laws by showing that the law is unreasonable, arbitrary, or invidiously discriminatory. And I have no exceptions but not really portion of this episode because this is going to be a really long episode and we haven't even gotten to the examples yet and it's almost seven minutes long. So the first example is a southern state needs a new group of people to be afraid of. So they write minority groups on little pieces of paper and they throw it into their clan hood hats and draw one at random. It happens to be transgender people. And the state decides to pass a law that requires them to go into a bathroom correlating to their sex at birth instead of their gender identity. Now, the southern state goes on TV and they proudly advocate for 
more freedom, but decides it's okay to be super involved with bathrooms and where people go. Even though it shouldn't matter what bathroom you use, because let's face it, I don't want anyone in the fucking public bathroom with me. That shit gets weird. I don't know what they think happens in a public bathroom, but mostly it's just awkward eye contact, trying not to ask too many questions about the liquids on the floor, and dealing with the old guy who thinks it's okay to talk to you while you're in the next urinal. So the state is on TV and advocates for this law that supposed to protect little girls from getting assaulted by big burly men in dresses, even though the data shows that there's no correlation between that fucking shit. Well, will their law pass the equal protection challenge? Let's go through the analysis. What's the classification here? You got gender, gender identity. And the appropriate level of scrutiny says that this probably falls under intermediate level scrutiny, meaning that the government just needs an important interest and that the means are substantially related to that interest. So then the last question you ask is, do the governmental actions meet that level of scrutiny? Fuck no. They have an purported important interest in keeping people safe in bathrooms, but the means aren't substantially related to that interest because the means in criminalizing what bathroom you're in don't accomplish that goal because the means are too tailored to one specific area where the interest would be met. It's not like this law is going to keep people from getting assaulted in a bathroom. Someone who would go and assault someone in a bathroom isn't going to be deterred just because you went into the bathroom that they couldn't go into based on sex. And if you think that, you're fucking dumb. Example two, the University of wherever the fuck, UWTF if you will, they have a pro-diversity policy that encourages applicants for historically underrepresented minority groups to apply to encourage a learning environment of different perspectives and provides a holistic learner. Well, this upsets a bunch of leaders of Breitbart.com and they file a lawsuit alleging violations of the Equal Protection Clause. Does their case have merit? Well, let's go through the elements again. What's the classification? It's based on race. So we know that's strict scrutiny, the highest bar, the empire strikes back scrutiny. And this means that they need a compelling governmental interest and that it be narrowly tailored to meet that end. So do their actions satisfy the level of scrutiny? Possibly. And it depends on how the affirmative action type program works. Courts have found that programs that flat out give a point bonus, so to speak, to minority groups to be unconstitutional. But it's okay if it's used as like a plus factor in achieving the end goal of diversity. Because historically, it's been okay to implement these programs and that the compelling governmental interest is to reverse the long-standing racism in this country by implementing something that can really help educate people, which is diversity. And it's very controversial. And I'll be honest with you, I don't give a shit about what you think about it. I'm just telling you how the law works. And the 14th Amendment is super dense. And so the things you got to remember while studying it is just remember the four big things that this amendment offers. You have first, the national citizenship, that people born in the U.S. are U.S. citizens. Second, the privileges or immunities, which is all fundamental rights. Third, due process of law. And remember that there's two types of due process, procedural and substantive. And the last is the equal protection. And when you get an equal protection issue, make sure you ask three questions. What's the classification? Because that determines the level of scrutiny. Then what's the appropriate level of scrutiny? Strict, intermediate, or rational basis. And then you have to ask, does the governmental action meet that level of scrutiny? So thanks for joining me today on this episode of the Bar Review Podcast. I've been drinking a Blue Moon Winter Wheat because it's almost Christmas time, but it's too early to put up decorations. My name is Jake, and that shit was the law.